the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You have to believe we are magic. Nothing can stand in our way. Well, you didn't expect me to start with any other music today, did you? (laughs) I mean, seriously. 1971 is when Olivia Newton-John burst on the scene. I was 18. So she's been part of my life all my life. I was just born. And she, uh, of course, has been battling breast cancer for 30 years. What a long time to do that. 30 years. All right. And she she made uh, the comment a few uh, years ago, I think it was 17, 18, that she said that the cancer had spread to her back. Oh, wow. And uh, so uh, yesterday... It was kind of a shock, but it wasn't a shock that we had heard that she had passed uh, at her ranch out in California. So, uh, you know, throughout this morning, we're going to play some different uh, openings to a lot of her music. Of course, she'll always be known as Sandy. Yes, Sandy. I, as you know, we, we use that movie probably every three years in our classic movie series. I love that movie. And every time we show it, it sells out. People yeah. love that movie. They really, really do. It's Americana. And they it's love finest. it. It's great. It's and, and it's so different than the stage play. Yeah. Have I've you ever seen, seen the stage now. play, Grease? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's different than the stage play. The stage <laughs> play has got a little bit more of an edge to it. Let's just put it hey. that way. You I know. See. I see. I mean, look, Grease lightened and pushed it on the movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, for a lot of people. So anyway, it's a great. Uh, it was a great movie. It, uh, you know, Olivia Newton-John was a great uh, uh, performer. Uh, she and Linda Ronstadt were at their heights at, at that time. Uh, women in rock and roll were not all that well known at that time. And they changed all of that. I mean, they really did. And then along came Joan Jett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of my all-time favorite female rock and rollers. So anyway, that uh, that's that's big that's big news today. The biggest news, though, is what went down uh, down in Florida. And to say that I'm a little bit upset about what went down is an understatement. Uh, they uh, they raided uh, former President Trump's home, uh, resort home uh, down there, and you know down in Palm Beach. And I I I was I got to tell you, even as jaded as I am about politics, okay, because I've been following politics all my life. My father was was one of those people who wanted to talk about politics all the time. You talked about it at the dinner table all the time. He'd question you about them all the time. And I um, have to tell you that um, if you're not going to have Hillary Clinton in an orange jumpsuit, right? why are you doing what you're doing to Donald Trump? 
Because they can. Well, because they want to. Yeah. I mean, they, they want to because they're hoping to make it. And you and I already talked about this. First thing came out of your mouth when we were talking right. was they want to make sure he can't run. Yeah. That's what they they want to make sure that uh, that uh, they they can do. And, and I'm like you. I, I watched a lot of the outtakes from CNN and MSNBC and CNBC and all of them. And... You know, they were jumping up and down with joy. Yeah, they were just beyond themselves. And Merrick Garland, um, you know, should just get out of being in the Justice Department. This is a guy. Let's 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 be honest this morning. And it's not like we're not honest on other mornings. (laughs) But the bottom line, let's just be really clear about this this is a guy who said parents who stood up at school board meetings were terrorists domestic terrorists that's what he called them and uh, this is the same guy who didn't get involved with parents being tackled at school board meetings dragged out at school board meetings hasn't said squat he is a mealy-mouthed coward is what he is. Says That's it. all he is. Thank God he's not on the Supreme Court. No, I know. And he was supposed to be so moderate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. supposed to be such a moderate. You've got to remember, as I always say, uh, whenever you're using the same words as the, as the left is, make sure you're speaking out of the same lexicon and dictionary. Right. Because what, when they say moderate, probably doesn't come close to the real you know, definition of, of what a moder- right. moderate is. So uh, you got this thing with, Gar- uh, with Merritt. You got uh, the, the head of the FBI and, and the things that he's saying who stood – didn't stand. He sat in front of the Judiciary Committee for the uh, the Senate just last week and said he was concerned that there were people within the uh, the FBI that w- were trying to cover up for Hunter Biden and uh, they were going to look deeper into that. Oh, bullcrap! Concerned. I bull wish crap. Trump, I wish Trump would have gotten rid of him. I really do. Like prior, and you know he's bad because Biden kept him on. Oh yeah. So you know he's already dead. Yeah, he's in for he's in for the Democrats, no doubt. And what's this all about? They're saying that the former president has uh, some papers. Uh, that I guess maybe have some top secret uh, information on them, but they're supposed to be saved for the archives. Right. All right. It doesn't mean that they're uh, papers that in any way, shape, or form uh, are causing us any kind of security issues. We know that there were some things that Hillary had right. in her, on her person at her home that uh, were top secret. And uh, well, and nothing unlike, nothing happened to her. Unlike Trump, you know, Hillary could not declassify. Trump could have declassified anything he wanted to, so it you know wasn't top secret. Anything he had in his purview. It's just crazy looking at the coverage today. 
CNBC, the FBI is raiding Mar-a-Lago, former President Donald Trump's resort home in Palm Beach. Trump said Monday evening in a uh, lengthy statement, Trump said his residence is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. The raid was uh, unannounced, Trump said. The raid came hours after Politico reported that attorney John Rowley, a former federal prosecutor, is now representing Trump in talks with the Department of Justice about executive privilege issues related to the Department uh, Department's investigation of the January 6th Capitol riot. Uh, Newsmax. The FBI has raided Donald Trump's home. The 45th president confirmed in a statement. Uh, Greta Van Susteren has more details. On Twitter, Daily Wire, multiple reports later confirmed that the raid was connected to the missing White House records. The report said that Trump delayed returning more than a dozen boxes of material to the National Archives, which included documents that were marked as classified national security information. Federal prosecutors opened a grand jury investigation back in May into, uh, into Trump over whether classified material that ended up at his home uh, was mishandled. Doesn't sound to me like it needs to be a raid in the middle of the night. Well, he wasn't even this. there. That's the other thing. If they were worried about him destroying records, or and that's why it would be a raid, he was in New York. So he couldn't have very well destroyed records from New York while they were in Mar-a-Lago. Well, you know, I think this is, this is going to be found to be much ado about nothing. And here's the thing that bothers me the most about it. If you talk to Americans about the institutions that we have in this country, uh, whether it be the presidency, uh, you know, the AG, uh, the Department of Justice, the FBI, Americans don't think much of any of them anymore. No. Congress. They don't trust them. They just don't trust them. And uh, that's not a good thing for a nation to not no. be in, not be trust trusting of the main institutions of uh, what's going on um, in your country. It's just not good. If you're going to be governed, you know, that requires your um, tacit uh, agreement to be governed. And if you don't trust those who are governing you, there's going to be a bad outcome. Here's the other thing I don't buy. The president, the White House, is... uh, Jumping up and down and saying, we didn't know nothing about this. Please. Just like he didn't know anything about Hunter's business dealings in China. Yeah, that he never met with Hunter about his business dealings. And now there's there's, uh, information out that not only did he know, but he also met with Hunter Biden in the White House. And uh, may have been using his influence to help Hunter. Now, that is true material that you should be going in and uh, and and locking people yeah. up over definitely should be doing that so it's i mean we're going to have to wait they're not being transparent on this by a long shot uh, not even coming close to this you're not you know they're falling back on all that crap that they always do well we can't comment on an ongoing investigation disclose. you know we can't be talking about all that well you know 
here's what you can do. You can come forth and show us uh, the affidavits of why you did what you did, because they had to go before a federal judge to get a search warrant, or they're supposed to go in front of a federal judge. And what do we think about that? I think very little of it. I mean, we remember uh, it was only it was only how many months ago? It's a little maybe a year ago that. Uh, that whole thing with the FISA court came out. Oh, right. And they lied to the federal judge. Right. That's what they did. They lied to a federal judge. Did anything happen to those people? No. No, they didn't. I mean, there's just some things here that are not adding up other than this is weaponizing uh, federal agencies and going after the former president. Oh, and it doesn't it doesn't uh, surprise you that it comes up on the anniversary of Richard Nixon's resignation from the White House. Democrats love it. Think about that. Think about it. That that's not by chance. I'm just telling you. That's not by chance. All right, 18 minutes after 6. Let's get our first break uh, in. Simone's here. Hello. She's awake. She says she feels tired, but she's awake. I'm awake. I feel tired. And she told me she slept good last night. Yeah. I'm feeling tired because I didn't sleep so good last night. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit slow this morning. Anyway, David Lucas wants you to know if you want to know what to do about gold and silver. And, uh, you know, investors will tell you on your your uh, your big uh, nest egg, you should have about 15%. 15% uh, in uh, precious metals, gold and silver being the, the, the big metals right now. So uh, David Lucas says that's not like buying stocks and bonds. You need to understand how you go about buying gold and silver, and they'll teach you all about that just by you giving them a call at 501-222-3315. With inflation going the way they're going, it's going, and uh, considering that by Friday the House is going to you know, vote probably in the affirmative for this whole thing of uh, let's, let's control inflation yeah. bill they got out there, uh, just know that inflation's not going away anytime soon. I mean, even this bill that they're saying they're going to pass, they say it won't have any effect for the next two or three years think about that two to three years they're really worried about you and i and everybody else getting along aren't they uh so call uh, david lucas and uh, david lucas financial right now over in north little rock learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets the iras the 401ks and your hard-earned savings again call 501 222 3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, Olivia Newton John had a lot of hits. Yeah. Do you know what her number one hit was? What? All time. Heidi, do you know what her number one hit was? Let's get physical. Oh. <laughs> that was the number one hit. That's, I mean, the biggest hit that she, she had. She was a beautiful woman. I was, and she was talented. Yeah. And she had just had a really pretty voice. And uh, her album covers were always <laughs> really good, too. <laughs> 
Yes. Yes. Well, she she passed yesterday, seventy three years old. Wow. Thirty year battle with cancer, breast what cancer, a long struggle. was a huge, huge uh, uh, presenter about uh, breast cancer. You know, jumped and went out on a lot of those marches and spoke at a lot of events. And she was uh, somebody who had a lot to say about uh, about breast cancer. She was trying to develop new natural medicines. Too, yeah, trying. She? Yeah, she was trying, working on that. Trying to get some stuff done. She's a pretty impressive person in her lifetime. John Travolta uh, had a really nice uh, statement on uh, Twitter about her. And because they were really good friends, I, they became friends on set of, of Greece and ha, have stayed friends for years and years and years. And uh, so um, I know John's not feeling, he's feeling sad uh, today. And I'm sure a lot of people in Hollywood are feeling, because she was just a nice person. You know what? It, it, there's not a whole lot of really nice persons in Hollywood because right. everybody is trying to one up everybody to get the gig so that they can make the money that they need to make to be thought of as a star. Right. You know? They're trying to amber herd each other. Yeah. So anyway, uh our, we we're sorry to hear that uh, Olivia is is gone. All right, so new poll and it says that uh, Americans trust Republicans over Democrats to fix the economy. <laughs> Duh! Do you think? <laughs> do I mean seriously? Do they really do, need this test you, run? Yeah, I don't. Look, I'm seeing these stories that are out that are saying about how the the Democrats have closed the gap with the Republicans. I'm telling too. you, this, this is nothing. I'm not on satellite radio, so I can't tell you exactly what I think about it. But if you can think about what comes after bull, you're, right. you know, I'm just telling you, that's what it is. It's propaganda. And it's fresh. Yeah. And it's steaming. And if you step in it and you can't tell it, there's something wrong with you. Even Fox is trying to push that narrative. Yeah, they've, got, they've had st- st- yeah. stories out. Yeah. That's it's not that Fox is all that. How about this? It's bullpucky. Well, let's put it this way: when it comes to Fox, they're a whole lot more uh, conservative than yeah. MSNBC and CNBC, and ABC and CBS and NBC. Now that's, that's you know, decent. Yeah, I don't. I don't even watch them. See, here's the key: I just want somebody to do the news. Right. That's what I want. I want the news that I I had when I was a kid. And I could listen to the reporters, and all they were doing was telling you the facts. Telling you what you know, happened. It's like Joe Friday was on your TV yeah. saying the facts are just the facts, all right, and giving it to you. And, uh, I mean, look, a lot of people think that Walter Cronkite was the all-time greatest <laughs> newsman. B.S. Biggest liberal you ever knew. Eric was talking about that. Was li- was lying to the American people and would look at the camera and raise that eyebrow, you know. And uh, and maybe I'm, you know, I I remember it well just because he was a performer. You know, I was old enough to to remember that. And then along with him was Dan Rather. He was be- the only one that I know that was pretty much shooting straight from uh, the hip. Uh, were Huntley and Brinkley. Oh, you Brinkley. go back and look at at their their work, and it was pretty doggone straight down the middle. 
and I and I give them credit for what they did. David Brinkley, of course, found out later, big time conservative. Chet Huntley from Wyoming, of all places, Wyoming. big time uh, liberal. So uh, you you pretty much got the real deal with yeah. the, with those two. That's what you got. All right, got a couple of minutes here. Let me finish up this story about uh, what Americans are saying. Americans have more trust in Republicans to tackle economic issues going into November's midterm elections, but a near majority of Americans said they would be more likely to support a candidate who supports abortion access than one who doesn't, according to this new poll. I still don't buy that. You know, I'm not saying that pro-choice might not be somewhat ahead, but I because they've been indoctrinated and propagandized over all these years for 50 years. But the bottom line is, is that uh, it's not like they want somebody on there when they say pro-choice. What do they mean by pro-choice? That's I want, I want a part of it. Yeah, I want a, a definition of that. Uh, the ABC News. Ipso poll found that by a nine-point margin, Americans trust the GOP over Democrats to handle the economy, 34% to 25%. All right, add that together, that's 59%. What's the rest thinking? It doesn't even tell us what the rest, okay? Oh, wait, down here at the end of the story. 49% of respondents said they would be more likely to vote for a candidate who favors keeping abortion legal and available compared to just 27% who prefers a candidate who favors limiting abortion except to protect the mother's life. Hmm. Well, they've been fed that lie that it's safe and rare, rare, you know, as the thing. I'm just telling you, ladies, you've been lied to, you've been propagandized, and uh, what happened to get that passed is uh, terrible. Science is. is not the friend. All right, let's take a break. There you go. That's her most famous song. You know, let's get physical. Of course, uh, that's Olivia Newton-John. She passed away yesterday at 73 years old. Hey, don't forget about Pat Davis and what he wants to do for you. He wants you to get get saving now, saving now. That's what he wants, 30 to 50 percent on your health insurance. That's what Pat Davis wants you to Thank God he would not be in really tight spandex and dancing uh, when he talks to you about this. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, Pat Davis can save you a lot of money. I mean, 30 to 50 percent, you figure out what you pay per month in uh, in health insurance and multiply that by 12. That's a big amount of money you're paying every year uh, for health insurance. And on top of it, what's your deductible? You know, if it's maybe $1,000 or $2,000, oh, okay, you can deal with that. But what if it's seven, eight, nine thousand dollars $9,000? It doesn't matter how good your health insurance is then. I mean, it's going to take you a long time uh, paying off the bills before you even scratch the surface of your health insurance. So you call Pat and talk to him about this. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, self-employed, uh, if you're a small company looking to give insurance to your uh, your employees, he can save you a lot of money. We had a gentleman on the last time Pat was here, called in, and uh, Pat had saved him 15 
fourteen thousand dollars wow. the previous year. That's not chicken feed. I no. mean, that's that's for a small business. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And uh, Pat can help you do that. Again, uh, you know, no copays. All of that. Use uh, any provider in the nation. That's Pat Davis five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five. That's his phone number. Or visit him online. Yourhealthplanman.com. All right. Let's uh, let's look at this. These uh, polls that are out there about. Uh, Republicans and Democrats, and who can handle the uh, the economy better? Well, I got uh, got some other numbers for you. Always okay. trying to have the numbers uh, for you. More than two thirds, sixty nine percent exact, of Americans think that the nation's economy is going in the wrong direction. <laughs> they need a poll for that. Getting getting worse, sixty nine percent now. That's the highest that measure has reached since 2008, when it was 82% in an ABC News Washington Post poll. Currently, only 12% think the economy is getting better. 18% think it is essentially staying the same. So with that in mind, with just those numbers in mind, when you look at Biden's numbers over all the different issues, and he's got an overriding number of 30 percent now of people who believe that he can do the gig. <coughs> that's why I don't buy these stories of this is a close race. Right. I don't put anything past the Democrats. Though, so this is a close race. It's not going to be close. Well, I was talking to. One of my doctors yesterday, I had to go see one of my doctors yesterday, and I said, so what's your thoughts about monkeypox? <laughs> and uh, they looked at me, and they go, Dave, you don't have to be worrying about monkeypox. <laughs> and I said, I know I don't have to worry about it. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's you who's saying this. What do you think? He says, you got a lot more to worry about than monkeypox. The monkeypox. All right. And I said, what do you, what do you think that, you know, they've, they've deemed this like a, a health emergency right. now? And he says, ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. And then I asked the, the, the $600,000 question. You can't do the $60,000 now. Inflation, you know. Right, right. So for $600,000 question, and, and I made the statement to, to him, and I said, do you think this is a way that uh, the Democrats are trying to figure out how to get mail-in ballots back in? Yes. Yes. And he agreed. You know? Oh, I cut it by 50%, didn't I, by saying it was a he. <laughs> now you can go yeah, search. Go ahead. Go search all of my medical files <laughs> and figure out which doctor said that. But the bottom line is, uh, yeah, it's – there. They want to cheat again. Yeah. It's exactly what they want to do. They want to cheat again. That's why so keep that act of desperation of them going to Mar-a-Lago. Yep. You know. That, that's what that's all about. They're going to, pardon me, It's a, this is kind of a, a pun, but they're trumping something up I, against Trump. They are. They're looking for a Trump card. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> See, that's, you're, you're good. You're right on this with me. So uh, think about this. You got, when you think about, what the average voter thinks about when they go to the polls, they're thinking about the money that they're making, how far does it go, what can it buy. Uh, they're thinking about, uh, you know, other big issues about, Safety. like, what's it, call, what's the cost of a, 
of uh, going out and getting uh, yourself a, a car. Right. All right. And we know what that's like right now. And you're right. Safety, crime, that's yeah. always a big issue. Crime in the big cities is absolutely abysmal right now. Uh, look, it's it's bad here in the, in uh, Arkansas, right. here in Little Rock. Scott, did you see Scott and his statement yesterday about there are people that are out to get me, blah, 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 blah. Oh, <laughs> There's nobody out to get you. Nobody can get near you. You got this big old task force that sits around you and protects you and, and secures you. And you're the only mayor who has ever had that in the history of Little Rock. Wow. Ever. That's ever. Insane. And it's tens of thousands of dollars. Come on, Scott. Get get something better than that. He's holed up thinking people are out to get him, huh? He's playing the race card. That's playing the Imagine race card that. without playing the race card. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. There's many ways to play the race card. You I've invited him on the show. Have you heard him lately? Not, neither have I. Okay. He hasn't come by to sit down and talk about the state of the city or when he says, hey, violent crime is down 3%. Yeah, over the rise of the uh, the 17% earlier this year, you know, so we're still at 14% uh, over as far as, uh, you know, violent crime is concerned. But you got a guy that he's picked up in the morning by his his security people. Wherever he goes, he's got security people. And there's never been any information that he's ever had anyone send a letter or a call him or anything and say, yeah, I'm going to get you. Gretchen you know? Whitmer plots against him. <laughs> yeah, well, well, she's plotting you know that she's part of the plot of out to get her. Right. You know, that's, what, that's what's going on with that. It's just, it's, it's crazy anymore, you know, as far as, as that's, uh, that's concerned. But, yeah, I just, just keep this all in mind right now. Politics, as usual, is going on. And what's Scott got to run on? Tell me, what's he got to run on? What's he done that uh, make you want him to, you know, have a second term? I can't think of anything. Zip. I mean, you think he'd want to come on there. the show too? Oh, it's the other side. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'm not holding. My my face isn't blue, right? So that tells you I'm not holding my breath. All right, I'm just not holding my breath. Okay, let's see. I I'm seeing that I I got somebody calling here, which means I got to flip around and find out who's calling me so if you'll just give me a moment here i'll figure it out for you there we go well come on come up come up you can do it there it is okay now i'm getting it all right what we got here i'm seeing well i'm trying to figure the new phone out anyway what can i say i'm i'm looking here and trying to figure some things uh out here nothing for me to figure out anyway um let's go ahead and get a, a break and then i'll come back and we'll finish up this hour uh so i got somebody waiting to talk to me we'll get them on in just a moment it's the dave ellswick show don't forget about pi roofing they were uh, out at my house yesterday uh, i told you we had a little problem they fixed it it's done it's it's finished it's through 
they're great about uh, about doing that. I got my call uh, call from the folks there that are taking care of it. One uh, one the gentleman who's been involved in that said that he was out of the area for a few days on vacation, but they got it taken care of now. PI Roofing. It's who I use, the only people that have ever been on my uh, roof uh, in the near 20 years that I've lived out in the Cabot area. So, uh, you know, you can't do any better than having PI Roofing take care of your roofing. Call them, 501-707-3551, or visit them online, piroofing.com. Back with you. Brian is with us. Brian, what's up? Hey, good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm good. Well, uh, I heard you talking about Mayor Scott, and uh, I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I didn't vote for him. Um, but <laughs> well, that's that's really good. You gave him the benefit of the doubt, and you didn't vote for him. <laughs> well, I, no, I'm just know, laughing. It's just that's a good way of putting I it. Mean, Go ahead. I was trying to be supportive in the beginning and, and see what he was going to do, and. You know, he closed War Memorial Golf Course. Uh, he closed Hindman. Um, then he wanted to bring in the top golf people that he has some sort of relationship with uh, and, and give them land that was, you know, a city park. Right. Uh, and, and now we have all the documentation of the expense reports. Now, to go back a little further, though, uh, you know, his main goal was to control the police department. Um, his sole uh, uh, criteria for hiring a police chief was anyone who would fire Officer Charles Starks. That's correct. Uh, you know, on the uh, on the uh, felony uh, stop. Uh, in a stolen car with a guy that had a gun and wouldn't comply and started to roll over his foot. Um, did he violate a procedure possibly by parking his uh, squad car uh, in front of the suspect vehicle? Uh, then we roll on and we find out. I mean, I've seen him in action. I've seen him partying it up at the Copper Grill. And I wonder if that's what his executive uh, retreats are all about partying it up in Memphis where people aren't going to see him necessarily. Well, let me tell you what, uh, if he's partying it up, no matter where he's at, he's got his security people with him. Well, yeah. So he doesn't have to risk drinking and driving. Hmm. Uh, and he spends what? $700,000 a year on that security detail. Maybe as much as $900,000 by the end of this year. Wow, sir. Um, so, you know, all, all that's coming to, uh, to uh, appearance now. Uh, he's ignored the FOIA. He hires people that aren't intelligent enough to understand the law or, or they just deliberately don't want to comply with it. And there are numerous lawsuits against the city and the mayor for not complying with the uh, Freedom of Information Act to reveal the expenditures of taxpayer money and the, uh, the use of the taxpayer money to facilitate the things that he does. Uh, you know, so why did we need uh, $40,000 for an executive retreat to Memphis or hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel and all this other stuff to Washington, D.C.? What that is about is setting the, the, the individual, the mayor, setting his position up for national appearances 
so that he can, uh, you know, garner some national attention and move on up. Uh, you know, he's got future plans, I'm quite sure. And so he has to spend the city's money to get the exposure that he needs so that he can get his picture taken in Washington with all these important people that can help his future career. Uh, and, and I think it's good that we've exposed all this stuff. Uh, I have already voted no on most of the millages uh, because I, I don't trust this city to spend my tax money. Right. It loses $4 million a year, Dave. I mean, you know, and so we're going to prop the zoo up and, uh, and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah, the streets need to be fixed. We need to clean the city up so that people will take pride in it. And we need to restore the police department to do what it's supposed to do uh, and, and try to avert some of these crimes. Uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. Uh, we're not doing it right. And uh, I think Steve Landers is an excellent candidate. Uh, he's a successful businessman, made it on his own. If you've heard his story, he pulled himself up by his britches, started selling cars, and ended up owning the dealership and then a bunch more. Well, I've had I've had Steve on. He wrote a great book about his life, and it was well worth reading, uh, to be honest. And, Brian, thanks for your call. Uh, be listening tomorrow at 9 o'clock, because uh, if you saw this story on Channel 7 uh, yesterday, uh, it uh, just ahead of Little Rock City Mayor Frank Scott Jr.'s filing for re-election, he addressed the political attacks. His words, he said, were being made against the city's administration by a non-Little Rock resident supporting a mayoral campaign opponent. Now, let me just tell you, I know who he's talking about. And you'll get to hear that person tomorrow on my show. And he's been on my show several times. And you want to know the things that he attacks the mayor about? Everything that he gets out of FOIA. It's all legitimate paperwork that is filed by his own administration and it's uh, you know it's the same uh, person that we talked to uh, a, a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, uh, school superintendent of Cabot uh, Thurman the information that was given about that was of course uh, legitimate because it was supplied by the people from his departments so he's getting attacked for things he actually did that's correct <laughs> According to the mayor, uh, Jimmy Cavan is accusing the city's administration of misusing funds delegated to the city for business purposes. I'm going to tell you what. Scott's attacking Jimmy, and uh, people in Cabot has been attacking Jimmy because Jimmy is presenting the truth to the people. They're seeing it for what it is. It's Jimmy who came up and uh, showed all the money that this mayor has been spending for his own personal uh, security detail. It's ridiculous how much money he's spending. And they can't, they can't put forth anything uh, that shows that the man has been under attack or threatened by anybody to warrant the kind of money that they're spending. Understand, Scott is the only mayor in the history of Little Rock that has the kind of security team that he has. And he's taking officers that very well could be solving crimes uh, off the street 
to, uh, you know, walk with him and stand by him and drive him here and drive him there. And we all know where he drinks because they have to they have to write all that stuff down. We know where he goes to party. So just uh, keep all that in mind. He's enjoying his his position. That's why I call him King Scott. Yeah. All right. I don't call him mayor. He wants to be a king. And that's how he presents himself. Uh, sounds like it. Probably will never come on the show now. <laughs> Got to figure that won't happen. Uh, in yeah, a state, here's a statement on Scott's social media account. The mayor said he quote will not stand idly by while lies and false narratives are created by a politically charged effort to turn back the clock against the progress the city is making. What is the progress, mayor? Higher crime rates. The streets suck. I mean, let, let's. We should just. I guess tomorrow I have to run them down for everybody. I, I'll, I'll, down. Me, I'll mention them all so that he doesn't have any problem knowing what the problems are. Yeah, he may not know. Yeah, yeah. Just like Biden didn't know that the uh, Department of Justice was and the FBI was going to show up at Trump's Marlo, house yeah. down in in Florida. That if you buy if you buy that you'll buy anything. Right. I'm just telling you, you will. You'll buy anything at that point uh the mayor concluded his letter by claiming the supporter used false narratives that uh threatened the integrity of your city's government and this administration if it's written down on a piece of paper uh put into the system the way it's supposed to do which uh, they've done that and then they supply it because of the freedom of information act and it can be shown that they've been doing some of the crazy stuff they've been doing and spending the money for what they're doing. Uh, bottom line is, hey, you're going to have to live with it, Mayor. That's yeah. the bottom line. All right, Simone, thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. We being appreciate here. you having you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, coming up in the next hour, Bible guys will be here. I don't know which ones are going to be here and which ones aren't. I haven't been told, but we'll see. All right, and we'll look forward to talking to all of them right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's move into the 7 o'clock hour. Bible guys are here. It's Tuesday. We'll answer some of the questions that you've uh, you've had out there and uh, get at those. 
And uh, I've had a lot of people questioning about what uh, you all feel about the state of the church today. In fact, you know, how, about people and what they're thinking. Uh, how can there be such a, uh, a difference in belief systems on, on doctrinal issues? And, and, by, and I don't know when they say doctrinal if they really understand that they're not even asking about doctrinal issues. They're asking about social issues mm-hmm. and things of that nature and why churches are so divided on all of all this. So I'm, I'll start off. I'm going to start off with Scott since he's the senior pastor over at Agape and let him talk about that. And then I'll, I'll let loose Steve. <laughs> Unloosed the Kraken. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and <laughs> we'll let Steve talk, and then we'll, we'll get Billy into this as as well. And 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 Steve can say why. But right. Anyway, so start with the voice of reason. Yeah. Go to Steve and come back to a voice of reason. I like it. I like it. Go we ahead. sandwich him in. We we, we we kind of we kind of pin right. him in. Yeah. Um, He's the cream cheese in your sandwich. Is that what he is? <laughs> <laughs> we, we've called him lots of things, haven't we, really? But cream cheese has never been one of them. But you know what? From thinking, now on. Yeah, right. I think more likely the bird in the saddle. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, too. But go, uh, on, go uh, ahead. Right. Uh, so if I understand correctly, the question is, why is there so many different uh, theological positions? Well, theological yeah, I mean, or within churches. I mean, look, you, you, you might be have a brother or sister in Christ, and they think abortion is absolutely okay. All right. Yeah. And... If you if you deal with the Bible at all, it ain't absolutely all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, the question can be pretty broad, but then again, it it's um, in a way it's very simple. In that um, the reason why there are so many different uh, positions uh, held by so many different people uh, is um, how we were how we were taught. Um, and if you go back a little bit further, okay, well then why were we taught different things? We were taught different things based upon um, who you studied under, who had different political or, uh, well, political too, but um, theological positions on things. I mean, if you go to a Baptist school, you're going to come out thinking like a Baptist. If you go to a Pentecostal school, you'll come out thinking like a Pentecost. If you go to a Presbyterian school, you'll come out thinking like a Presbyterian. Um, you know, somebody once said um, about sending kids um, to um, public school, they said, don't be surprised. Um if you send your kids to Caesar, that they don't come out looking like Romans. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and so unfortunately, that's that's one of the reasons why we all think there are there's so many different ways of looking at things, just because we're trained in different philosophies, different particular um, schools of thought. Um, you know, and also culture plays into it. Uh, you know, I I lived half of my life in Europe, and it was absolutely a part of um, Christian life. You go over to uh, somebody's house, or you have people come over to your home. They're going to bring you a bottle of wine uh, when they walk in because you live in Europe. That's that's what they do. You come over here, and you know you even spell the word wine in a sermon, and your board's <laughs> going to fire you. Uh, that's all culturally based. It has nothing to do with um, mm. with the Bible. So, I, I think in one way it's it's a it's a very broad thing because you go long and deep into why certain people believe what they believe. But I think it comes down to you know if you go to a certain place to learn something, you're going to come out thinking like them. Well, and I think that um, what Pastor Scott started to talk about is really 
part of what you said was what got us to the, where the church is at today. And it's because the culture began to influence the church more right. than the church influenced the culture. And now when you go to certain Bible studies, you'll you'll sit around and people read a scripture and they'll say, well, what does that mean to you? Yep. Well, what does that mean to you? And then what it evolved into was an emotional and feeling experience with God. Okay, can I stop you right there just to ask you to to spread this out to talk about it? Uh, it's what what do you believe? Is that a misunderstanding and misapplication of the priesthood of the believer? Because that's that's pushed. I mean, that, yeah. oh yeah, that, for that, sure. I think there's a difference between. I mean. The priesthood of the believer is um, is the ability to draw near to God, um, but that doesn't mean that you're a theologian. Correct. Um, you know, and you know we even have not. And this is a very carnal thing, but you know you can go to your to your family doctor, your family practitioner, and ask him a question, and he might say, "I need to refer you to a specialist." Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be a, a doctor, is a doctor, a doctor, but then you have people who do different things and so yeah you may be we may all be you know be a priest within the context of uh, of being a believer but not everybody is able to do the same mm-hmm. the same thing so just because you can draw near to god and you can pray and you can worship and you can give and so forth that doesn't mean that you're a scholar the guys that a lot of people in, in modern church today put up on uh platforms <clears throat> and i don't mean that to sound like a bad way but they, their primary gifting and calling is evangelism. Mm-hmm. Their primary gifting and calling is not pastor and teacher. <clears throat> and a lot of times they're operating outside of their gifting by trying to teach certain things that are just outside their gifting. Their job is to rally the troops and get them into the places where they can be pastored and taught. And most people are listening to what we would call the cotton candy version, which is just to get everybody excited. And that's a that's a gift. I mean, that's one of the gifts of the scriptures is the guy that's going to be able to rally everybody and hit the high points and get everybody excited. But then you take them and get them to a place where they actually start studying. <clears throat> but most people don't study anymore. Um, they go back to what I said, which is the emotional and feeling experience. And I've, I've had several discussions with people that will just end with the statement, well, I just believe that. Yep. Okay. Well, it's wrong. Yeah. So you can believe it all day long. So it goes into what you're saying about uh, whether it be abortion or homosexuality. You know, they're just going to go, well, I just think or I just believe and go, okay, well, let's let's point I to feel. this book. Right. Well, that's my that's the one thing that get me all fired up. <laughs> What's that? When people I say, I feel, oh. right, that this means a certain my thing. My truth. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and so and the next thing that's happening that's been happening for quite a while is one you got into the what do you believe about it now there's a big move about the discrediting of the scriptures mm-hmm. i have a friend uh is, is losing someone very close to him because they they have bitten off into that the that the hebrews just borrowed the scriptures of the ancients uh and just created the judaic faith out of thin air basically oh well i i've heard a lot of people talk about well you know the chinese have stories like that, or and the Pakistanis have stories like that, and the Hindus and the Buddhists and all the rest. And I said, yeah, but they don't have the true story. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that that one's kind of easy to me, but because when, when I say things like I'm a weird fundamentalist and I actually believe that the people listed in the Bible were real people, and they weren't just um, people that made up to fill a story. And so that means if everybody on the planet literally descended from Shem, Hep, and Japheth, then there's absolutely going to be similar stories around right. the world. Right. So it would only make sense that those three and then their wives and children carry those 
Well, that's like when I talk to people about the flood, and they say, well, every great civilization has a story about the flood. And I said, well, when you think about how big it had to have been, of course everybody had this, uh, right. a story about a flood. Yep. You know, so I, I don't have any problem you know, d- dealing with that all much. But, again, we all know from reading Scripture, this comes down to a matter of the heart. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, and that was going to be my short answer. The short answer to your question is rebellion. We we okay. we are, and this is it's not a uniquely American problem, but it is it is much more prevalent in the West. Period, and that is because uh, in the West we teach everyone that they're special and unique, just like everybody else, right? And as a result, um, you end up with people who think that they are, and this is going to sound really bad. They think they're better than everybody else, or at least that their truth is their truth, right? That my truth is the right truth. Well, that that is a convoluted and insane proposition to begin with. And secondarily, you're not that special. I'm sorry. You're you're just you are unique in the eyes of the Lord. That is absolutely true. But that does not make you the greatest scholar who ever lived. It doesn't make you the greatest theologian who ever lived. And if you're getting your evidence and beliefs directly from the internet congratulations um you're probably in a lot of trouble because there's a lot of weird stuff out there so this whole and and i guess that really started with our generation uh with being told how unique and how special we were and how you know oh you're going to change the world and blah blah blah. no no, the vast majority of people are not going to do those things The the, the the vast majority of people are going to live uh fairly small lives and if you're lucky, you will have an impact somewhere in someone's life. But we're not, we're not all called to be King Davids. We're just not. Uh, how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people lived in King David's kingdom and aren't mentioned in Scripture yeah. at all? The chances that you are one of those unmentioned, much higher than you are one of those whose names made it in to the book, right? And, and But... Particularly in the West, we we can't deal with that. Everybody's we King are David. right. We are the focus of our own story, mm-hmm. rather than being willing to be a part of God's story, and that's the big difference, right? We want it to be our story with God attached to it, rather than being God's story with us attached to it. Yeah, I think you have to look at the way that a lot of um, the teaching is done today. We tend to think that the Bible is about us, right? And the Bible is about God. And it's about Jesus. God is about it's about God's story, and and how humans can participate in it, as opposed to being our story and how God participates in our life. And I've told you my know, church that's really important. It is what you're saying. That's 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 a lot. Uh, well, back in the seventies, we'd say, you know, Pastor, that's really deep. <laughs> you know what you're saying is very very true. I've told my my congregations on many occasions. I've told them, I said, this story, the Bible, is not about you. Right. Since when did it become about you? It's about him and how we can please him, how we can worship him, how we can serve him, how we can honor him. It's not about how he can be involved in your life, but how you can be involved in his. And we have a book that tells us how to engage in that in that way. But when you so uh, personalize it to where a scripture can mean one thing to you and one thing to you and one thing to me and one thing to Steve, when it can do that and there's not one central truth to it, um, then that's one of the reasons why you have all the denominations and different philosophies out there because we've made the Bible um, to where it's almost like a Lego set. You can just mm-hmm. break the whole thing apart and everybody can take their piece and go home. Um, when you come away from a Hebraic way of looking at the Bible, then you can take it into all these different ways. But if you bring it back to Hebraically, looking at it, 
it gives us a very simple way of looking at the Bible. It's called the Pardus in Hebrew. The word Pardus is an acronym. It means orchard. Each letter stands for something. The first one is the P the, for Pardus. The P stands for the Peshat, and the Peshat means what did God mean when he actually made that statement? What is the original meaning of the text? And then anything you pull from that can never violate the original meaning. So it's like, are you an originalist or aren't you? Hmm. Right. And I've found most constitutional uh, literalists are theological liberals. They more like, no, what did the founders mean when they wrote that document? And they go to church and say, well, yeah, you know, Moses said that, but now what does it mean to us today? Right. They don't apply the it same. doesn't change. Right. And just like people want to be fundamentally, you know, originalist with the Constitution and what the founders and fathers meant, and they meant what they said, and yada, 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 and, and they oppose this idea the Constitution is a living document, it has to evolve with the times. They don't want to go that way, but for some reason they take that hut off and they go to church and they say, well, the Bible can morph and it can change and we can pull it and we can stretch it and it can be something different than what it was originally intended. No, it can't be. All right, got to get a break in. 19 minutes after 7. That was a very interesting start today with the Bible Guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101 FM, The Answer. All right, we were just having a great discussion. I was talking to to Scott about I I'd watched a movie this weekend. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies now, Ex Machina, which is really, really good. The guy who directed it went on to do Annihilation as well, which is another really good movie, uh, science fiction movie. But uh, the big question is the Turing test. Mm -hmm. A Turing test is a test that is given to see if the AI recognizes that it's AI or if it really thinks that it's human. Yeah, so Alan Turing originally hypothesized that if I was to take a, a computer, although they didn't call them computers, they called them thinking machines back then, if I took a computer and a human and I asked them Without being able to see them, I asked them the same set of questions, and I could not determine which one was the computer and which one was the human, then that would mean that the the computer had reached a level of consciousness that makes it essentially human, uh, that it had reached true consciousness. Um, What's the word? Sentient. Yeah, it sentient. Become sentient. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a, that's a bit of an oversimplification of, of the Turing test, but um, the reality is that we've been able to create computers that can pass the Turing test for probably 20 or 25 mm-hmm. years at this point. So um, if it's just a matter of I ask you a question and you give me a response, well, Siri and Alexa do that for you every day, right? Uh, can you still tell that she makes mistakes sometimes? Sure, sure, but they're pretty good about giving you an answer. Mm-hmm. And the reality is they can answer a whole lot more questions than most of my friends. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they have a, a larger library of knowledge. Did he looked at us when he, when he said nah, that. I look, no, yeah. well, not at you. I looked right past you. But, no, uh, but, no. Uh, <laughs> so uh, why don't you, Scott, since you had that yep. pulled up, read that second part of the question that came in last week because we actually i made the statement i was going to wait because uh, billy is a programmer yeah so he can he can directly answer what this person was asking yeah this is a question from last week which billy didn't get to answer because he wasn't here but the question um after addressing all of us then it went on to say in addition i was wondering if billy has heard of elon musk stating that uh he thought that ai has gone too far and that it was now uh, out of control. Does he agree with what he, he thinks uh, Musk 
Uh, so does he agree, and what does he think Musk was meaning by that? Okay, with, with saying that, let me just throw in here. He's not the only one who said this. Right. Stephen Hawking said this, who's probably, he's dead now, but was considered one of the foremost thinkers of the modern era. So it's all yours, brother. So uh, the Musk at one point is on record as, as having stated about AI, we are summoning the devil. Um, and he doesn't necessarily mean that AI in and of itself is evil. What he's saying is that AI in and of itself is um, could care less about us. It, it doesn't. We can tell it, hey, you should really value human humans, but it's a computer. At the end of the day, um, it's making decisions, and if those decisions happen to be that humanity is a problem, perhaps it tries to solve that problem. Now we have to go back to. We have to go back to a little bit of an understanding about modern-day artificial intelligence. Um, it used to be that when we built code, um, we would sit down and write code line by line, right? You'd, you run this line of code and then that line of code, and there are decision points within that code. Um, if this, then go do that. Um, that is not the way we write artificial intelligence today. Today, when we write artificial intelligence in a way that even those who wrote the programs will tell you, I cannot tell you why a decision was made within the program. We, we put in inputs, um, just like neurons, they, they compare it to the human brain, right? We, we input sensory data and we get an output on the other side, but what happened in the neurons in the middle, we cannot exactly say why it made the decisions that it made. Um, we train these AIs to be, you know, we'll, we'll handle them a game. There's a lot of that going on in gaming. We handle them a simple game like Pac-Man and go play Pac-Man until you are the most proficient Pac-Man player ever. Um, and, you know, that might take it a couple of days to get there, a couple of days to get there. Um, but we can't tell what's going on in the middle. And the problem with AI is, is that we take it away from games like Pac-Man and start handing it things like, hey, solve world hunger, solve... Um, the CO2 problem, solve whatever it is. You you end up in a position where you've created an entity that you are trusting that is far smarter than you, and you cannot predict what it will do on the back end of that. You cannot predict what its motivations were in the middle. And I'm, I'm using the word motivation as though it were human, but it has a series of decision points that you can't influence. And if you empower it on the back end to implement its solutions, suddenly you end up with um, what many, even agnostics, have referred to as a god. We are creating a god of our own making, and we have no control over it, and there's no compassion in it. It's, it's not like this is a living, breathing thing that loves us, unlike the real god who loves us dramatically and would never seek to harm us. This thing might go, hey, the fastest way to solve human problems is to eliminate humans. And you go, ha, 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 that's, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I, I gave the example in the, uh, in the break room before we got started this morning. Suppose you told an artificial intelligence to solve world hunger, and it realizes that humans are made out of meat, and meat is edible. And therefore, the, the fastest way to feed half the population is to can the other half. Well, that's a perfectly reasonable, for something that has no morals and doesn't consider eating humans to be a problem, that's a perfectly valid sort of conclusion. Well, you just kill half the population, can them up, and then the other prop half the population doesn't have a food shortage problem. When you start investing energy and trust 
into something that you cannot decide, that you cannot understand what's, why it's making the decisions that it's making, you can end up in a whole lot of trouble uh, in a hurry. And the problem is, unlike humans, where to get from one generation to the next, I have to teach my children everything I want them to know. Somebody has to teach them everything they're going to know. Computers don't have that problem. Everything that today's computer knows, tomorrow's computer will know already, and it can then start working. So it's, it's ability to consume and become faster and better um, is nearly instantaneous. All right. We'll pick it back up because there's more to be said, I'm sure, Billy. I am. And we can come back and talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Scott and Steve and Billy are all here today. All right. Well, I want you to know, Scott, you don't have to be totally depressed to just listen to what you heard there during that break we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about that we, well there gonna, was some encouraging things in it but yeah it was, yes, uh, yes we're gonna we're gonna talk about something that a lot of people these guys are pretty well attached to what's going on in the world you, you want to be mm-hmm. we listen yeah, to the dave ellsman show oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> so let let's let you finish up here billy about artificial intelligence yeah, so I started down a, a fairly deep rabbit hole, which I'll probably just try to avoid. The the two questions, well, I mean, yeah, you, you, well, I've, I've only got 12 or 14 hours today, so week. yeah, so oh, that's easy. Um, the 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 question was, have I heard what Elon had to say, and what do I think about artificial intelligence? Um, I think I listened to nearly everything that Elon says. And I didn't say I believe everything Elon says, but I listen to everything. When the richest dude in the world when the richest dude in the world um, comes up with crazy plans and then makes them work, you might want to listen to what he has to say next. So I I listen um, I I listen to what he's got to say because he has so much power and so much influence on the world. And he tends to be um, a bit of a loose cannon. But when the man says, oh, no, I can build a rocket that will land itself, and everybody goes, ha-ha, not possible, and, and then, you know, he goes and does it, um, maybe you listen to what the man's got to say about something. Not things. only land it, but land it in, like, a 1950s science fiction right. movie. Right. Number two, when it comes to engineering, he is perhaps one of the greatest engineers alive today. So when he starts talking about engineering things, I have to listen to what he's got to say. And number three, as far as AI itself – um, I said just as we went to break, I consider artificial intelligence and the move towards a general artificial intelligence to be the second or third greatest existential threat to mankind right now, period, simply because we are creating something that is smarter than us, will be eventually smarter than us, and we will have very, very little control over it. Um, it's one of those things that once you've let the genie out of the bottle, uh, it's very much in the, the – um, vein of nuclear weapons once someone built a nuclear weapon and they were tested everybody wants one and everybody wants the best one and everybody wants to prove to everybody else that theirs is the best one and they want the biggest one right the 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 there was still some rationale when we had nuclear weapons as the biggest threat because everybody understood hey look if you fire yours i fire mine and we all die with artificial intelligence it's so much more subtle than that that an artificial intelligence could kill you, and you not even realize that it's trying to do it. Um, there, there have been lots of, lots of. When you live in my world, there are lots of of kind of thought process papers out there about, hey, you know, if it just decided to do this, we'd all die, and we wouldn't even know until it was too late that we were dying. Well, that would, that would be the question I I have because you know, okay, they 
you know, if you're going back to your example that, that people are meat and so we just can half the population. I mean, a computer thinking that on a screen is one thing, but how does it then in the physical make something like that happen? I mean, you know, like right now, the, the power, the storm that came through last night knocked the power off at our, our mm-hmm, office. Mm-hmm. And right now the power is con- currently off. So I had to shut the office down for the day. So I can see a computer shutting down, you know, a state because it had, felt like it had a threat. But that all that does is stop you from using your computer. It doesn't actually, you know, launch a drone and come and hunt you and kill you. Or is that what you're talking about? That it would actually say, okay, I got a drone I have access to there and, you know. In That's Re- coming. Remember in, this in, word, or, Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Is it go back to so? So what happens when you discover you can't build robot? You can't make other machines build robots and then program them. And that, the, I'm going to talk uh, in that type the of current, stuff, the current generation of AI is being built by the most recent version of AI. Mm-hmm. We, we are we are no longer programming AIs. We now have AIs building new AIs because they're so much better at it than we are. So yes, the day will come. I mean. What happens if the internet decided it wanted to control your phone today? You think it's not connected enough to do that? Right, but um, it could build a physical phone. Right. He's though. talking about yeah, AI is building another AI because it's building in a machine that was built by men right now. Right, they're but, not building well, robots. But it's really—I mean, go look and see what a car consists of these days. If you go to a car plant, almost everything in that plant is being done by is being done by a robot. Right, but when, a man had to build those robots. When you're not building robots, we, well, well, we that, do have robots a, building robots. But that's a, that's the launch, right? But all when right, you right. when you decide that, hey, look, the uh, it'll, it'll be all about efficiency, right? Well, the AI can program the movements of these robots to be so efficient that man can't come anywhere close. So handle this, creating this next production line, just go ahead and tell the AI to decide what the robots are doing along that uh, assembly line. Mm-hmm. Well, you've now injected that AI who, for better or worse, might at some point decide that it doesn't need to be building cars, it needs to be building cans. Um, that is, enough of our world is computer-controlled at this point and I know I sound like an alarmist. I sound like a crazy man, but um, no, that was long before you got into this. That, yeah, right. That has nothing to do with this particular conversation. So, um, agreed. They, they, we, 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 most people do not understand just how um, computer controlled your life is, and how much of what you do. I mean, we've we've proven there was a hacking group five or six, probably six years ago at this point that proved that they could pull up beside a, another car that was running a particular. Um, can software, which is the software that controls all the electronics in your car, and they could remotely hack and drive, remotely drive your car for you. Well, what happens when the computer decides it wants to do that on its own because you're a threat to it? I'm just saying we are so interwoven with our our computers are so interwoven with the entireties of our life that should the computer, quote unquote, uh, decide that we were hostile to it, I don't know that we would even see the end coming before it was over. Yay! Happy Tuesday morning. <laughs> but, that's, but that's why Elon Musk is worried about A1. Yes. That's why Hawking, he was really yes. worried about it. Um, yes. Um, well, it, this AI stuff is taking it back to the Bible Guys program for a minute. Yeah, well, it's, uh, part, it's all part of Right. What, but, you, you think summon, is summoning the devil is not Bible Guys related? <laughs> well, yeah. it, you get into the things about the book of Revelation when you talk about things about images being made. Worshiping an image. Yeah. And then you talk, because people always speculate about what that is. Well, there's also never been a period in time in history where you've been able to control what everybody buys and sells. And yep. now, you know, I was just joking the other day that 
not intentionally, I now very rarely ever carry cash. I, I don't mean, carry cash. Yeah. I don't need it. And I never thought I would use a, a debit card just to buy a soda. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, because yeah. I don't I don't have a buck in my wallet. Right. Well, we're already in that place where that kind of thing and that kind of technology exists, and you can very easily see part of what Billy's talking about, letting that roll right into some end time scenario where you you can't. I mean, the the gas, the water system, the electricity in our house, virtually everything is controlled by programs and computers. All right. I want to get to something else after the break. But before I go to break, I want I want uh, uh, Billy, because I know he can explain this better than I can, explain singularity. Singularity is defined as the moment that artificial intelligence becomes as intelligent as humanity is. So uh, we're, we, we describe artificial intelligence at this point as being about as intelligent as, say, a, a young dog or a very young child. But um, again, going back to my statement earlier, the next generation of computers doesn't have to relearn everything. We just take the information that the other computer knew and hand it to. So its ability to evolve and grow in intelligence is much more rapid than ours. And we are projected, they were originally projecting the singularity to happen around 2055, 2060. That number has been revised down several times. Um, I think the latest current earliest predictions are around 2030 at this point so less than 10 years before a computer becomes as intelligent as we are and of course the moment it becomes as intelligent as we are it immediately becomes more intelligent than us because it simply builds the next version of itself so singularity is scary and there's there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom absolutely experience there is and so even though you could have a you could be a parent and you're raising a savant yeah, yeah. who knows mathematics far better than you, but the child is not actually smarter than its father. It might be sm- smarter you know, as far as its IQ in mathematics, but it still has no life experience. It has, has no wisdom yeah. to it. It has no ability to – how do you apply wisdom or apply knowledge? And then trying to bring together what Billy's been saying and, and then what Steve has said as well about you know buying a Coke with a debit card or whatever uh, – Man wants to get to the singularity where he merges yeah. AI with himself. Oh, cybernetics, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, it, it gets really scary. There was a special that they did on, um, not sci-fi, the Science Channel, talking about the future that was upsetting if you watched it because we're talking about you don't have to have the vision that you have you can just put in you know ai eyes into your body and have exactly perfect vision also be able to zoom in like superman or or whatever Uh, that's all being talked about that's all being discussed and the 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 final phase of all of that is that you don't have a human body at all anymore you become just part of the machine when when those who really think far looking uh, they talk about the heat death of the universe which is when all of the stars that are out there eventually extinguish and how does mankind make it from where we're at to the heat death of the universe and they talk about literally uploading ourselves into a computer and that's that's, that's right. part of where um, that's part of where this whole concept of uh, are we living in a simulation that thought comes out of they call that the matrioska brain that comes out of that concept if we are if we can, 
if we could ever build a computer large enough to hold us all, eventually we would, right? Um, and that eliminates those of us who think that's a bad idea because there's a great big God that we are respond, uh, responsible mm-hmm. to. But um, that is that is what those people think about. They think about literally living to the end of the universe by uploading ourselves into a computer that is essentially self-healing and, and can make us the perfect world. Immortality. Is That's kind what of they're talking kind of what about. the Matrix was really uh, yeah. wired around was the thought of how do we attain uh, immortality by uploading ourselves. All right, when we come back, how does China fit into all this? <laughs> we'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, it's really fun to sit here and talk about <laughs> what the future might bring. I can only tell you that. Uh, God says he is the holder of the future. That's that's a big thing to keep in mind. I would argue what we've been talking about is a um, modern version of the Tower of Babel. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's one of the things that I believe, like when I lay out how I see things happen in the end times, uh, there's going to be another attempt by mankind to become God. And that's what you can kind of see. Well, that's what we think every day. Right. If we don't submit ourselves to God, then we're placing ourselves in God's chair. Yeah. Yeah. So you're so, watching this tower, if you will, be built, and it's also making it possible for all of the humans to be one voice again. Right. Because it, you you got apps on your phone that you can just talk into and then hear it in, in its original language. In yeah, a and, and that app is actually called Babel Fish. Babel right. Fish. So oh. um, that is actually a reference to um, – What's the um, bring your towel? What's that? What's that book? Um, bring your towel. Yeah, you always have to have a towel. Um, what is that book? Um, something in the end of the universe. I don't remember. Anyway, there's there's a very and I'm going for the for my close friends out there. I will be receiving lots of emails today from them telling me just how ignorant I am for having forgotten that. But uh, um, anyway. The, this Hitchhiker's whole, Guide to the Galaxy? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. I got it. So, right. <laughs> Which is uh, really out there. Th- thank you for the save on that one. So, <laughs> yes, so that is um, the, the Babelfish app comes from the fact that there was a Babelfish in that book and, and later movie uh, that you can insert into your ear and understand all languages. But that reference comes from Babel. There's a reason it's called a yeah. Babelfish, right? So um, this whole concept of um, being able to to speak and understand. Uh, have you seen the the video what they're doing the big um, bull dance around mm-hmm. a cigarette reaching to heaven? Yeah, no, that that's happening right now as well. I mean, yeah, uh, the it was some games in I think Birmingham, England. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that bull. Yeah. 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 So it was part of the you know how just like the Olympics have this um, big ceremony <laughs> opening. I, I can't remember what the games were called. Um, but it's something that they do in England. And uh, they had a, I think it was a 30-foot uh, tall electronic mechanical bull. Uh, and and they did this weird dance in front of it. And ultimately, um, this woman climbs up on top of it, sub- subdues the bull. And then all the people in the crowd bow down to the bull. And it's just yeah. weird stuff. Yeah. All of this set in front of what I can only describe as a modern image of what the Tower of Babel would have been. I mean, it's you just you look at it, and anyone who has studied a little bit of history about the when you see it, you're going to go, "Oh, it's a ziggurat, and it looks just like the way the the, the people have depicted the Tower of Babel." Great. Maybe so, we should tell them what a ziggurat is. A ziggurat is a stepped pyramid. It is the the sides are sloped, so rather than being a 
rather than being a continuous smooth surface or a step surface up one side, uh, up all the sides, there's essentially a ramp that walks around the pyramid so that you can start at the bottom and walk up a ramp all the way up to the top of a pyramid. All right. With all of that said, now, <laughs> with all of that said, and it, it, this is why knowing the Bible, knowing you know what the Bible means, is so important. Because people are thinking the things that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. which is taking God out of the equation completely yeah, yeah. and making man God. And I tell you what, you want to know a real hell? Take God out yeah, of the right. equation. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going to be a real hell at that point. But before we got to that point uh, in our conversation during a break, Steve brought up China. Yeah. What, did you, what were you saying about China? Uh, well, there's been a lot of the talk about what role China might be playing in the end, uh, because there's a, a reference in the book of Revelation about a 200 million man army coming from the east. Uh, whether Is that Gog or Magog? Well, that's no, it's not. It's just yeah, neither. It, neither. Yeah, yeah it just okay. mentions a 200 million man army comes from the east. That's all it's addressed. Okay. So it could be a Muslim nation, right? Capable. It could be a, a Chinese nation. We don't know. Uh, but what they're doing, and there's kind of been this big worry about what China might do and how they're i mean they're you'll hear people say things like they're long game you know that they're going to rule the world um within a generation or two but there's others saying that we're actually watching it collapse and the reason and part of the reason we we are in a potentially dangerous situation with them and the whole thing in taiwan right now uh is because they are uh collapsing uh, as a nation as a culture as a people uh, and you don't hear you. You'll see some videos that'll make it out, just like it did with uh, when all the uh, Wuhan and all the stuff started with COVID, and how severe they were in their lockdown. Well, apparently now the same thing's happening, but with their banks. Yeah. And they're preventing the run on the banks from the people actually using the military uh, to prevent people because their economy is in the process of imploding, which makes them dangerous. Um, Because they only know they got a short amount of time to reach the goal, which is world dominion. And would would the would the fact that they are economically breaking down be the incentive to go and take Taiwan? Because you get all their money and all their assets and all their everything. That would that be? I would see that as yeah, yeah. Well, and beyond that, um, China has thanks to its its generations of one child policy, they have a uh, demographic problem. Their largest. Um, the largest portion of their um, people are over the age of 55 already. They don't have young people in their country right now. Um, that's just what? they have a demographic problem because for so long they just didn't have children. The United States would be in the same problem except that we have so much immigration into the U.S. When you go look at U.S. families, you know, 2.1 is the magic number, right? In order for us to sustain ourselves, uh, 2.3. In order for us to sustain ourselves, we have to have, on average, 2.3 children so that we can replenish the next generation. Current uh, estimate right now, I think, is at 1.1 or 1.2. We just aren't having children, but we import so many and people from the Europe, rest of the world. Europe has that problem across the, yep. across mm-hmm. the board. Yep. Yeah, lots of places, unfortunately. And you would right think now. that China wouldn't have that problem, but when you had a, a couple generations of producing just one, right. and now that whole thing is about the peak. Uh, and they're about to go from a, like 1.1 billion to like 600 million within like 40 years. Yeah, yeah and you got to stop having and they females. And they, you got to have all right. males. Right, and that's why they have. I think it was like a 200 million disparity um, between males and females because everybody wanted males. That's why so many people were adopting Chinese girls because they were giving them up because yeah. they wanted to have boys and they could only have the one. They have since eliminated that policy because they yes. realized how stupid it is. Uh, but whether or not they can make it through the next generation of 
making the 2.3 is going to be very interesting to watch. Same right, thing so is true in Iran, too. Just, just for all of you, pull the curtain back just a little bit, and what might the future look like? It's not comfortable. One of the things that, that we've been really kind of got one minute. chewing on is we have to look at how the end time stuff is going to play out geopolitically. Yep. We look at it in a hyper spiritual, but the spiritual manifest in the the literal, right, in the world. And so it's trying to figure out how that spiritual war is going to play out through the people. Just like God used Pontius Pilate, right, just like he used Herod, he used people to bring about the spiritual plan. And so we got to keep that in our focus as we're watching all of these things go on with the nations. That's why we watch and we keep up with all the other stuff because we're trying to see how this is going to play out geopolitically. This show gets deep at times. I'm just <laughs> telling you, it's it's great to listen to Scott. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Uh, what time for worship? Quickly, uh, we meet at one o'clock on Saturdays and at ten o'clock on Sunday. Seven to one Napa Valley Drive. All right. Got any questions? What's the phone number they can call? They can call five zero one two two five zero six one two. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Steve. Always good to see you. And our AI specialist, Billy. Thank you for being with us today as well. I'm Dave Ellswick. Be back with you at 9 o'clock. Just to uh, keep going with the theme for today, we've been talking about what's been going on with with former President Trump. We'll continue that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But, of course, Olivia Newton-John passed away yesterday, so we've been uh, giving her the the nod uh, today by uh, playing some of her great uh, music that uh, she released. I remember her so well because it started back in 71. That's when I was a senior in college, pardon me, in, in high school. I was, I'm not that old. Uh, so uh, she was a, a favorite of mine, liked her music, liked her album covers better. All right, but let's get back to talking about the things that are going on that's going to uh, affect uh, the election. Yeah, I don't, I don't, understand what the uh, Democrats are doing, and, I, and I'll explain myself. You know, they're, they're pushing this Inflation Reduction Act where, uh, I mean, even the left is saying, well, this is not going to do anything for several years, so why do it? I mean, seriously, why do it? Uh, and I, I, what they're really doing is firing up the Republican base. And they they had their base all fired up because of what the Supreme Court did that fired up the the left. Now they've done this whole thing about the Inflation Reduction Act, and on top of it, add in what happened uh, yesterday with the attack on former President Trump, and uh, you you've taken away that whole that whole fire up that you did on your on the left, and now you fired up the right. And I'm going to tell you what, 87,000 new IRS workers coming out of the Inflation Reduction Act. That's why I uh, I wanted to get uh, you from the Republican National Convention, their rapid response director, Tommy Pickett, on here. Hey, Tommy, how are you? Are, are the are the Democrats that just that stupid that they want to push all this stuff out now, right before the election and fire up the right completely? 
Well, I think it just shows how out of touch they are with the American people that they actually think they're doing a great job. They actually think they're doing a great job passing a bill that will make inflation worse, that will make everyone poor, that will raise taxes on 20000 uh, everyone making over $20,000 a year or Americans making over that much. So, I mean, I think Democrats, they're, they, they're so ingrained in their mind to expand government, to abuse their power, to raise taxes. They actually think this is what they're supposed to do, when in reality it's just going to hurt a lot of Americans. Yeah, absolutely. I just heard today, I didn't realize this, uh, but, uh, you know, I flip on uh, Fox News and and whatever during my breaks just to kind of catch what the headlines are. I didn't realize that in this uh, bill, this Inflation uh, Reduction Act that they're calling it, which is exactly just the opposite of what it will do, they're going to raise the taxes on gasoline. Were you aware of that? It's, it's astonishing. I mean, it's, it's every single line you look at this bill seems like there's something worse. I mean, we call it the Biden inflation scam bill because the name of this bill is a complete scam. Uh, it will worsen inflation. And it, part of the way that it will actually raise costs is through a tax on energy. Like you mentioned, uh, we're, we're seeing a tax on oil, which will increase the uh, price of gas. We're seeing a tax on methane, which could lead to $100 more in utility costs for the average American. Uh, on top of raising the tax burden, for Americans making over $20,000 a year. So it's really just raising costs across the board for Americans at a time when most Americans can hardly afford to keep the same standard of living because of Biden's wasteful spending. Yeah, well, they're definitely out of touch with the American people because all of this is going to show up pretty doggone quick, uh, you know, when you go to the gas pump or when you go to the to uh, to shop for food because if gas goes up and diesel goes up again, then those prices in the grocery stores go up again. And, you know, I'm wondering if they got a death wish or something. Well, I think they are so out of touch. They think, like I said before, they're doing a good job. They're actually taking a victory lap on this. They're taking a victory lap on gas prices that are about a dollar and 70 cents more than when Biden took office. They have the audacity to call that savings for the American family. They're talking about saving the American family money when in reality the American, uh, the average American family with two cars is spending something like $170 more per month just on gas. Uh, they they want to hike these prices because they care more about their ideological bent towards this phony Green New Deal than they actually care about Americans that are able to get by and afford to get to work, afford to heat their homes, afford to buy food. They don't really care about those Americans. They care more about electric cars and Hollywood elites to make sure that they can virtue signal their way into a, a good standing in their liberal community. That, that's really their priority. It's not helping the American people. It's helping far-left interest groups. Yeah, it, 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 it's still... I understand what you're saying. I understand what I know when I see and I read this this legislation. But to be that dumb just uh, blows me away. But it is the Democratic Party. What can I say? On, on top of that, you've got this uh, inside this bill of 87,000 new IRA, IRS agents. And what are, what are you getting out of this? You're getting a, a story today of the uh, the FBI being weaponized and going against the former president. Now you're going to have all these IRS agents, and maybe other people are thinking the way I am. Remember when Obama was president, and they bought all those guns and ammunition for IRS agents, and you, we were all wondering, well, what's that all about? Well, maybe we know now what that's all about. What do you think on that? 
Well, I think it's not speculation to say that the IRS is likely to be weaponized because Democrats have already weaponized the IRS. Yes. Republicans under Obama with Lois Lerner. They targeted conservative groups. And Lois Lerner is retired on a full pension. She actually received a $129,000 bonus before she retired. So it's not speculation to say that these 87,000 IRS enforcers are going to be targeting uh, conservative groups because we never got answers. The IRS destroyed emails before we could get answers into how that happened. There's no reason to trust that this power won't be abused. I mean, it's every indication that it will be. Not to mention just as standard practice. As standard practice, the middle class and low-income Americans face way more audits than rich Americans. In Mm -hmm. fact, the most common group to be audited are Americans making under $25,000 per year. So a standard practice, from what we know, is that these enforcers are going to be going after the middle class, after small businesses. Something like actually a recent estimate from the Joint Committee on Taxation says something like 80% of the audits will be focused on middle and low-income Americans. So these enforcers, we already know, are going to be coming for middle-class Americans on top of the already really uh, pressing concerns about abuse of authority and targeting political opponents. Now right, we just got a couple more moments uh, available uh, here with uh, with Tommy, and I wanted to talk to him a little bit about are there other things that are in this piece of legislation which we're expecting the House to to vote on on Friday that uh, the media is not reporting on uh, the way they should be. Well, I think the biggest thing are the tax hikes. The fact that you're going to be having. Uh, increased tax burden for Americans making as little as $20,000 per year. That, to me, is outrageous. I think the media also does a disservice when they say Inflation Reduction Act and don't know that it's going to increase inflation. Uh, But we have people in the legacy media actually doing the opposite. And I think, like we discussed, the IRS enforcers are really concerning. Uh, And I think one final point that the media is really not mentioning is what we're actually paying for, what the Democrats want to spend money on, is to give electric uh, car tax credits to rich Americans with parts to buy electric cars with parts that are produced in China. Yep. This is a big giveaway to people that are connected to the administration, to people that are rich, to these Green New Deal liberal elites paid for by Americans that can't afford it. That's this raw deal that the uh, Democrats are giving the American people. And the media should uh, report on it honestly, but the legacy media is not doing that. So where where do you think, is this starting to really energize uh, the right again? I mean, we were energized, we are still energized, but we're going to be even more so with these things that we've just seen here recently. And I think that the, the left really overplayed their hand. I think they have too. I think the right is energized, but we can't take anything for granted. I think the stakes now over this past week have been made crystal clear for why this election is so important, why we must get out, why we have to volunteer, why we have to get out and vote. Um, We cannot afford to not win back these majorities in November. We need to stop this abuse of power. We need to get answers for what's going on in the Biden administration. And we need to stop them taxing the American people into oblivion and raising our prices sky high. We can't afford to be complacent. We have to work as hard as possible. Well, I think they know they're going to lose and lose big in November, and that's why they're doing some of the things that they're doing, especially towards the Green New Deal. They think that this may be their last real chance and dropping 300 and something billion dollars towards the Green New uh, Deal is their uh, idea of nirvana. I think it is. I think they're trying to pass through what they can. But again, I would never say in terms of our end, that I know we're going to win because I don't know that for sure. I know the Democrats 
have massive advantages, you know. So I think we need to get out there and really work as hard as possible because the Democrats aren't going without a fight. I do think they think this is their last gasp. I feel confident that if we put in the work, we're going to win. I think the momentum is on our side. But the momentum's only on our side if we make that momentum. That momentum doesn't happen naturally. So we're at the RNC, at least. Pedal to the metal. Uh, we have less than 100 days left. Uh, we're, we're not taking anything for granted. Tommy, keep up the good work. We appreciate you giving us some time today, and I know other people want to talk to you, so let me let you get to them uh, here from uh, Little Rock. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Tommy Pickett here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's with the Republican National Committee Rapid Response director or the team he's the director of them so he's he's one of those folks that's ready to talk on a moment notice when people like me call up to molly up in dc and and talk to them about getting somebody on so we appreciate their time all right so uh, we'll come back talk more about this whole thing with the inflation reduction act that's again supposed to be voted on coming up on friday we'll talk about it tomorrow uh with uh, congressman hill and congressman westerman and get their take on it as well and uh, you know we try to keep you up to date on all of this and again i didn't realize about uh the, we're talking about raising taxes uh on gas and diesel again i can't believe that they're going to take away the ability to be able to talk about, see, gas prices are going down, things are getting better, blah, 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 and turn around and raise them again uh, on something that they're doing. It's, it's, it just seems silly to me, but it is, it, as I say, it is a Democrat, and uh, they love taxes. They love to take your money. They take it right out of your billfold. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. They're set up and ready to help you out. Eric Coleman, Whether you, let's say you're buying uh, wedding rings or you're buying uh, uh, engagement rings. He's got them all on, uh, on display there. You can buy it by uh, some of the finest uh, jewelry makers in uh, the country and in the world. Or you can talk to Eric. And talk to him about uh, producing something original uh, as a, uh, a ring for your uh, fiancé or uh, a pair of rings uh, for uh, the marriage ceremony. But get in there and sit down and talk to him about it and describe what it is that you're looking to do. They're at 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. Uh, you can call Eric and set up an appointment if you want to sit down with him face-to-face, 501-246-3655. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. If you need any kind of repairs, he can do that for you. If you got estate jewelry and you want him to tell you what it's worth, he can do that for you. He is your all-around jeweler. That's Eric Coleman and the folks at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, back with you. Uh, Coming up at 935, Robert Steinbach is going to join me. We're going to talk about this raid that occurred against former uh, President Trump. It's ridiculous. It's a weaponization of not only the FBI but the DOJ as well. Uh, This is a coordinated effort by the Democrats to try to make it so that on trumped-up charges— Uh, to keep uh, former President Trump from being able to run uh, for president again. So uh, that uh, is something that we're going to talk about. We'll talk about, you know, having to go in front of a judge and get a search warrant. Not so difficult. 
You remember what the the Democrats did uh, a few years back with the FISA court and how they lied to them. Bald face lied and uh, was caught doing it red-handed and nothing happened to them. Nada. Zitch. And we'll talk about that here as the Dave Ellswick show continues. I want to talk about a California judge right now. Uh, San Francisco, not, in 2016, San Francisco voters approved a charter amendment allowing certain non-citizens to vote in school board elections. The Charter Amendment also gave the County Board of Supervisors authority to extend the non-citizen voting authorization beyond 2022. On November 2nd of 2021, the uh, San uh, Francisco Board of Supervisors extended indefinitely this, uh, this piece of uh, legislation. Uh, it's an ordinance allowing non-citizens to vote beyond 2022. In March of this year, California attorney James Lacey filed a lawsuit against the city and the county of San Francisco over this law, arguing that San Francisco residents have a clear interest in ensuring their school board elections follow state laws, especially because state taxpayers partially fund school districts. San Francisco Superior Court Judge Richard Ulmer just ruled in favor of Lacey. This happened late yesterday. Uh, Fortunately, Judge Ulmer recognized that letting non-citizens, even illegal aliens, vote was itself a lawless action. He noted that California's transcendent law, i.e. the state constitution, reserves the vote to a United States citizen, contrary to the San Francisco ordinance, and concluded that the city's effort to give the California Constitution a different meaning meaning is, uh, you know, unavailing. Quote, to to prove the absurdity of the city's position, uh, the judge pointed out that by the ordinance's illogic, Children under 18 and residents of other states could vote in California's elections, which the California Constitution clearly prohibits. In addition to being unconstitutional, efforts to let non-citizens vote is bad policy, you think? Um, Aliens who remain legally bound by and beholden to the government of their native land should not be allowed to shape and mold our educational law, our law enforcement, and other policies potentially to the detriment of our country, uh, quoting the judge. You know, think about that. We talked about this back when they first did this. And talked about how dangerous a precedent it was. Uh, And uh, they were saying that it was okay to do it this way uh, because uh, these are institutions that have direct impact on the people locally. And so those people, those illegals and and whatnot, criminals, in fact, uh, that had lost their right to vote should be able to still vote 
even though it went against not only the California uh, Constitution, but the Constitution of the United States of America as well. And finally, a judge has stood up and said, hey, this is crazy. Got to stop doing this. And so uh, he's thrown it out and says they can't vote coming up here uh, in uh, uh, November, which hopefully uh, will have uh, some dire consequences for people who are uh, hoping that their particular uh, campaign will benefit uh, in a huge, huge way from uh, from this. So uh, this is a, a great uh, win again. Uh, from the courts for us, this coming out of a California court, which says that I guess there still is some logic and some reason, ju- uh, judges in the uh, the state of uh, of California. Now you gotta you gotta see with all that we've seen, this is something that is uh, just going on. You know, this crazy thought process that you know if you happen to. I don't know, get a a driver's license from a uh, Department of Transportation office, uh, that that gives you the right to to break the law and and, uh, constitutional law and all kinds of laws so that uh, you get to vote on what's going to happen in your state. By the way, uh, Mayor Eric Adams is uh, going crazy about the illegal immigrants that are being bussed in New York City, saying it's un-American and horrific. Of course, you know, they in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and Southern California have been dealing with this for years, and now suddenly it uh, it shows up on their doorsteps, and it's like, ooh, you can't do that. We don't We don't want a bunch of illegals here, and what can I tell you? Just just the way they think. Uh, he slammed Texas for sending busloads of illegal aliens to the Big Apple, claiming that the city is struggling to handle the influx of individuals. Sunday morning, Adams met the second busload of migrants arriving from the Lone Star State. The Democratic mayor who ran for election with a promise to keep New York a sanctuary city. You get what you ask for. You're getting what you're asking for. So you want to be a sanctuary city? So offer sanctuary. That's what you should do, isn't it? And maybe you'll start feeling a little bit of the problems that they're having in these uh, other states, you know, with the Texas and all the rest. All right, let's get to the news. We'll come back. Robert Steinbach will join us. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about our good friends at ICU Protection. You need to call them today if you're looking to protect your home or your business to give yourself the security you need in these uncertain, uh, you know, times of a rising criminality that's going on in our streets and uh, affecting our homes, our neighborhoods, and our businesses. You call Billy Mack. He'll take good care of you, just like he took care of me. I've got now door and window sensors on every window and door in my house. I've got a uh, a camera in my uh, doorbell. I have a camera that watches over one side of my house uh, uh, as well. 
and it's all kept on the cloud so that no one can steal a hard drive or whatever and get rid of uh, the material that has been recorded if uh, they're up to, you know, nefarious things that they're doing. So keep that in mind. Billy Mack will talk to you specifically about what it is that you want to do for your home or for your business. Remember, these are the guys that do, uh, you know, Nuke One. And if they can protect the reactor, they can protect your home. And on top of that, you'll pay for the service, but you do not pay for the hardware that is installed in your home or your business. All you have to do is call them, 501-205-1333, 501-205-1333. You talk to Billy Mack, he'll talk to you about what you want to do with your home, and then they'll get it done for you uh, pretty fast. I mean, they did my house in a matter of about a week. Uh, They were able to get all the stuff uh, installed and get my home uh, protected um, in there in Cabot. So ICU protection, you call them, 501-205-1333. Talk to Billy Mack and get things all set up. All right. Robert Steinbach is joining us today because I have asked him to join us. I don't think people realize how uh, unique, how rare uh, what happened uh, to uh, Donald Trump's home is uh, dealing with uh, this, uh, uh, well, he calls it an attack. That's what the president calls it. I call it a questionable exercise in overzealousness by the FBI and the uh, Department of Justice. Uh, Michael Tabin, former head of the FBI's Minneapolis field office, said, and I quote, It is a huge move by the FBI in that the political sensitivities are clear. It's obvious that they're dealing on a very sort of tenuous political climate when you go out and you investigate a president, especially one who says he may run for office again. So with that statement made, let me just ask you, Robert, do you think that that is the, the, the end game for this particular raid? Is they're trying to figure out a way to keep Trump from running again? Well, I think the whole thing is political, whether it be to prevent uh, Trump from running or otherwise uh, to attack him. And, you know, the real hilarious part about this is the hypocrisy of the left, which is so overwhelming. It's just you're bathed in the hypocrisy. So they talk about, and I've criticized this in the past, well, the norms of this and the norms. Wait, wait, what rule is that? Well, it's the norms, you see. So, and who made up the norms? Well, we do, you see. Uh huh. They've constantly said the norms, you know, when he said lock her up, you can't say that about a political opponent. That's uh, the province of banana republics. And sure enough, they're doing the exact same thing here. Now, to be clear. If anybody, be it Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or anybody, commits a crime, uh, they should be subject to law enforcement. So it's not as if uh, I agree with their notion that the norms don't allow for any law enforcement. It's only the norms don't allow for law enforcement against their crony, hack, corrupt politicians. 
Uh, but he, here, what's interesting is, according to the newspaper, according to the New York Times, the issue is whether he took documents with him. Right. So, the, so you know, here's the, the, the thing about that. This is, a, 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 if it's a, it, it is potentially a crime, albeit if he was, if he made all of this stuff um, not uh, confidential, not secret information before he left, then there is no crime. Uh, and, and someone has already asserted that that's exactly what he's done about any records that he's taken with him, whether he took any records or not, because that's the smart way to do it. Now, I don't know if he actually did that or not, but it's certainly plausible. So the point more broadly is they're going after him for something that may not be a crime. And if it is a crime, it's not a serious crime. But they talk about norms of not going after politicians by the opposing party, but only when it applies to them. The hypocrisy is just overwhelming. Yeah. What's interesting as well, Robert, is that, for instance, this former FBI agent who's been talking about this says that, you know, you have to first get prosecutors who want to um, come up with a search warrant. They got to write it up, what it is that they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. And then they got to take it before a judge. And when they present it to the judge, he has to agree that you have shown probable cause that a crime has been committed. There is evidence of the crime in the location that you state in a time you plan to execute the warrant. He said by phone. So there's a lot of information that you have to be very convincing of to a federal judge, and they scrutinize these. Now, with that said, as though as this guy's talking, he's talking as if what they did was totally legal. However, we all know that they lie at times to get these things uh, uh made, you know, these search warrants made uh, available to them. They did it with the FISA court, for God's sakes. They lied. They lied right through their teeth about that. So there are two issues. One is what's in the warrant that they make truthful statements in the warrant? Because, of course, when law enforcement goes to a judge to execute a warrant, there's no opposing party there. So there's nobody say, wait, what? (laughs) What did you just say is that you think happened because there's nothing to back that up potential so that doesn't exist that doesn't happen so that's one problem is they misstate and or overstate the facts the second problem is as hard as it may be to believe i say with all sarcasm intended uh, there are some judges that are political and some and the fbi knows who they are often and will go to those judges uh, when they need a warrant that is questionable. And so there's politics involved even at the warrant stage, unfortunately. Okay, so with that in mind, let me ask this question. If you were the FBI and you were looking to take something to a judge for you want a, a search warrant or whatever, wouldn't you, to cross your T's and dot your I's, find out what the Department of Justice thinks about it? Um. Well, it has to go. Through, what do you mean? It has, that has to go through the Department of Justice. Oh, it has That's to. It has does to. it have to go through Merrick oh, yeah. Garland then? 
Well, it doesn't necessarily have to go through the attorney general, albeit there are internal rules about, depending on who you're getting a warrant against, how high up it has to go. But the, the people that get the warrant are not generally the FBI agents themselves. It has to be written up by an attorney, and that would be through the Department of Justice. All right. For everybody to understand, though, remember that on the FISA court uh, ruling that uh, nobody knew what had been presented. But search warrants like this do have to be made public, don't they? Well, certainly not initially, right, because obviously this is secret. Uh, Before a warrant is uh, um, executed, nobody knows about it. Otherwise, the person uh, who's being the subject of the warrant would destroy, hide, etc., potentially the material. So certainly not at that stage. But at some point, search warrants uh, do become uh, public. Uh, and I think it's immediately after the warrant, meaning because the person himself can challenge the legitimacy of the warrant. Uh, so, uh, yes. Uh, and I think it's immediately after the execution, albeit I'm not sure. Okay. So the bottom line is, hopefully, uh, transparency will take over and we'll know what's in the warrant. And then all of us can look at it and go, hmm. Do you think it was worth it, or did they really have a legitimate claim here? I mean, that's. I think this is going to be a big sell for the FBI and a big sell uh, for DOJ, and in fact, the Attorney General. Uh, in fact, the insur- attorney, attorney General is going to be held accountable by this. I mean, the minority leader of the House has already said, after we take over the House in November, you better keep keep all your emails, keep everything that you've been doing, Merrick Garland, because accountability is coming. Well, that's exactly right. You know, when the DOJ issues a warrant, for example, against the press, they have their own internal procedures, justifiably, uh, to uh, have extra eyes look at those warrants because there's an issue about interfering with the press. They have some rules when it comes to dealing with politicians, particularly close to elections, uh, by the way. And uh, the question will become, who saw this? What does it say? And is it accurate? Okay. So bottom line now, all we can do until uh, we can get a look at search warrant and look in the search warrant and see what it was that they were trying to get, because they got to say that in the search warrant as well. We're all just sitting here waiting for the, uh, the FBI and the Department of Justice to let us know. Yeah, that's right. We we uh, well, I mean, presumably, when Donald Trump's attorneys get a hold of the warrant, they can release it. So we don't necessarily have to wait for the DOJ to turn it over to the public. Albeit, uh, the the either the DOJ or the court has to turn it over uh, to Donald Trump's attorneys. Well, the, this former FBI agent that I've been quoting made this final statement. He said, in order for this to really be political, there will have to be corruption at every level along the way. And uh, we're going to have to take a a very close look at that. And, uh, you know, well, you know, part of the problem with that statement, Dave, is it's sort of like when the. the crony left was saying uh, 53 or 38 or whatever 
ridiculous number of intelligence agencies all agreed about Russian interference. And it's just absurd because it's just not how the intelligence community actually works. Mm-hmm. So what happens is there, there are, say, I made up the number because I don't remember it, but there's like 38 separate intelligence agencies. What does that mean? Well, every federal agency that does law enforcement has an intelligence bureau. So the DEA has an intelligence bureau. The DEA is part of that 38. So do you really think the DEA had any commentary whatsoever on whether or not the Russians interfered with an American election? What does that have to do with drug enforcement? Of course, it doesn't. What happened was there was the uh, the uh, DIA, I think. I forget, you know, because we made up all these brand new titles after 9-11. Right. And so the, the director of intelligence, but not the director of the CIA, it's above that. The director of intelligence put out a statement saying there was Russian interference. Now, of course, there was some Russian interference. You know, $100,000 of Russian money spent on Facebook or something like that. Um, uh, and, if, and some other things. Um, so he said, well, there's interference. So they say, well, since he's over 38 agencies... That means 38 agencies have said that. No! He gets information from one or two agencies, draws a conclusion, makes a statement, and then that's what happens. That, that's the conclusion of the DIA. And that's fine. And you can say the DIA made this conclusion. Maybe it's political, maybe it's not. But you can't say 38 agencies. And the reason they say 38 agencies to say, well, it, it couldn't be all 38 are involved in this uh, politics. And the same thing here. How do you get a search warrant? You get a federal agent uh, who brings it to a a prosecutor who brings it to a judge. That's three people. Then, like I said, at times there's oversight. So maybe a couple other people look at it. That's five or six people. So we need to know how many eyes were on this. And I don't know what's in it yet. So I can't make a commentary as to its legitimacy yet. But I I want to see it. And it's not, you know, all the DOJ. No, it's not the whole DOJ. I guarantee that. All right. We'll have you back on, Robert. We'll be talking about this for at least a few more weeks, no no doubt. And I got some other questions for you, but we'll wait until we talk again to get to those. I want to thank you for, on short notice, joining us today. Thanks a lot. Of course. Robert, Robert. Yeah, Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about East End Towing and what they do. Uh, they know what to do uh, when you have a problem out on the road. You know, what happens after that 911 call? What's the process? Well, they understand it, how the police are going to arrive, how they're going to take a report that the vehicle needs to be towed, the right for you to request tow service, uh, what are impound yard rules in this case, and regulations, and what city or county determines all of this from the location that you're at. Well, the folks at East End Towing understand all of that. No matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it, and they've got all the answers for you. Call East End Towing, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849, East End Towing. All right, to finish up today, let me remind you what's coming up tomorrow. Because what's happening tomorrow is being talked about as of Monday of this week. Just to kind of give you a feel about what's uh, going down right now. Uh, tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour, Jimmy Caven's going to be back with me 
uh, Jimmy is a guy I love because he's an FOI guy, freedom of information guy. And he digs into uh, situations and then he pulls out the necessary uh, information from the people who are involved with it. And then you get the transparency you need to make the decisions you need to make about what's going on. So that's going to happen tomorrow. And Little Rock City Mayor, just yesterday, he was filing for re-election, addressed the, quote, political attacks, unquote. Now, he calls these political attacks. Uh, He said we're being made against the city's administration uh, by someone who doesn't even live in Little Rock. Doesn't matter if they live in Little Rock, if what they're doing is wrong. You should want to know what's going on in your city. So uh, that's what's happening here. Uh, according to the mayor, uh, Jimmy Cavan, who will be on my show tomorrow. He was on it uh, last week. He'll be on it again uh, tomorrow. He's accused the city's administration of misusing funds delegated to the city for business purposes. With that in mind, understand that what Jimmy is going to present to you in my final hour tomorrow is material that he was sent by the administration dealing with uh, spending and uh, things of that nature. So if it sounds fishy and it smells even fishier, know that it's the administration that's presenting the facts of the matter. And if the facts of the matter say that what the administration is doing is wrong, then they know that what they're doing, the administration is doing, is wrong. In a statement on uh, the mayor's social media account, the mayor said he will not stand idly by while lies and false narratives are created by a politically charged effort to turn back the clock against the progress the city is making. Now, you have to make up your mind if the city is making progress. I mean, violent crime is up. They'll say it's down, but it's up. It's down from earlier this year a bit, but it's still up by about uh, 14%. And uh, we're just going to sh- you know, share with you the information that the administration themselves, because of FOIA laws, has you know, been uh, has to have to turn over. And so we'll get into that tomorrow. We'll talk more about this whole inflation reduction uh, piece of uh, legislation that's being dealt with. And we're going to get that from our congressman, Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman. So don't miss any of the show tomorrow. Going to have a lot of great information for you and cutting to the chase here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Have a great day. I'll see you again tomorrow at 6 a.m. You don't have to answer. I see it in your eyes.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.